Uno, dos, tres, cuatro. Uno, dos, tres, cuatro. Uno, dos, uno, dos, uno, dos, tres, cuatro. My name is Paula Gillen. Claudia Yatskin. Crystal Black. Aurelio Falconi. David Jimenez. Eric Daniel Aguilar. Alex Sanchez Bressler. Baitza. Daniela Lopez. Juan Pablo Gonzalez. Lizette Clifton. Elizabeth Barajona. Annabelle Maya. Maria Carrasco. Jessica Mencia. Jair Ovalle. Maria Paula Ochoa. Simone Singleton. Catalina Berenblum Tobi. Naira Inez Ward. Norma de Jesus. Samantha Garza. Lilian Guadalupe Bravo. Carlos Barrero Castelo. And that's it. Wow, that was so beautiful. Thank you. Wow, oh my God, I'm just going to replay that every day before I go to sleep. This is Eliza Moreno. And Chandler Phillips. And you're listening to Mezcla de Melanina. My name is Samantha Garza. Elizabeth Barahona. Jair Ovalle. Annabelle Maya. Perfect. Um, what do you identify as? I identify as Latina, uh, specifically when I'm asked uh, Mexican and Colombian. Um, I identify as biracial. I identify as Latino. I am Latina Mexican American. What does that term mean to you? <laughs> um, gosh, it means it means a l- it's something that I'm still trying to understand and learn about. Um, and so coming here, I've started to try and understand by meeting other people, like the collective. Um, Latinx experience, um, I guess it's something I'm still struggling with. Um, my mom is black and my dad is Mexican, um, and I found like that, like describing myself as such makes it um, a lot easier to like kind of encompass like all of my, I like my my heritage, my cultural heritage, and my, I guess like my identity and like what each one entails. Uh, you know, coming to Duke, it's it's um, been a process of what it means. You know, it's meant different things at different times, but I think um, as uh, American. Um, person of Latin American descent, Latina has become to signify like a unifying um, identity that attempts to stand in solidarity with other black and brown people in the U.S. So I was born in the United States. I was born in Elgin, Illinois, but I lived in Mexico for my first eight years of life. And then I came to Texas, and that's where I live. Um, And so being not born in Mexico, but living there for forever, and both my parents being Mexican, being here in the States. Um, I like that we're different, and Mexico, my ethnicity, that means a lot to me, so that's what I identify as, and I tell everybody I'm Latina because I think it makes, it's a huge part of my identity, and it makes me who I am. Hello. Hello. Thank you so much for joining us for the third part of Mezcla de Melanina. Yes, we missed you so much. <laughs> um, yeah, this is our, our third part, our last part, and we're just so excited to share with you all um, the stories that we have for today. So please enjoy, listen, and we can't wait to hear what you think. My name is Lilian Guadalupe Bravo. Ooh. Okay. 
my family is from Jalisco, Mexico. Um, I always say that my family is from Guadalajara, Jalisco, because <laughs> Guadalajara is like the second biggest city, so I feel like most people will know what you're talking about when you say Guadalajara, but in reality, I'm from like Jesus Maria, um, Arandas, which is about like an hour and a half away from Guadalajara. So, yeah, <laughs> where tequila's made. <laughs> what do you identify as? Um, I feel like sometimes it's hard to put like a specific label on it because here, like, I feel like I'm not seen as American, even though I mean, I've lived here my whole life for the most part. Um, because of the color of my skin. And when I go to Mexico and I visit my relatives, they're kind of like, oh, la, eres americana, you know, like, actúas como si fueras allá. And I'm like, no, but like, mis raíces son de aquí, you know, like, I'm Mexican. Um, I've grown up here. I speak, my English is better than my Spanish, even though Spanish is my first language. And sometimes I can't find the words to say what I'm trying to describe. So I feel like the term, like, Chicana, uh, just kind of like <laughs> it's that in between where it's like I'm neither from like here completely nor there completely and yeah I think that's like just a good way to like put a label on those feelings where you don't feel like you're completely part of either place wow and what does it mean to be a Chicana at UNC? UNC um there's such a small, I feel like, Latinx population. I kind of, like, have to represent, like, where I'm from, kind of, and I have to, like, work twice as hard to, you know, show that I'm worthy of being where I'm, like, being here where I'm supposed to be. At least my first year, I felt like I was just a quota, like, oh, I was just accepted because I was Latina. Um, I'm just filling a space. I'm not really, like, supposed to be here because I wasn't doing well in my classes, and I was... Like kind of going into like this little dark hole where I just thought like oh, I'm not good enough I don't know what I'm doing here you know ah. I'm in the nursing school and sometimes like people tell me and I know they mean it as a compliment like oh you'll always find a job because you speak Spanish and I'm like well I'd I don't know like I'd like to think that I'm a good nurse as well you know and um one nurse the other day told me because I was telling her about a program I was going to apply to um, and it's specifically for minority nursing students. And she was like, oh, well, take advantage of those minority programs because us white people don't get those. Oh, my gosh. No. no. I was like, how can you, like... And she works at um, a hospital in the uh, Raleigh area that predominantly serves um, a lot of Medicaid individuals. So it's a lot of people, who, people of color, um, unfortunately. So I'm like, if those are your attitudes towards those kinds of programs, those attitudes translate to how you take care of your patients. Yeah. It happens to so many of us yes. here. A lot of people will think like, oh, you were accepted because you were Hispanic and there's just a need for it. That's the only reason, como si no tuviera cualidades, as if I didn't, you know, do the prereqs the way I was supposed to. And like, obviously I did everything that they had to do. Plus like, that's just, I guess like a little like, yeah, I speak Spanish and I'm Hispanic and I'm gonna understand the culture better. So yes, that does help and it adds on to like who I am, but it's not just that like I had to work hard too you know Absolutely. and I feel like sometimes people just think oh well she's Latina yeah. that's that's how she got in or that's how she's doing this so it's just kind of like in general being Latina at UNC to me means like I have to work twice as hard to mm. get the same recognition in yes. a lot of ways that's 
That's so true. I mean, what would you say to those who like, um, when they think of Latinx, they think of only one very monolithic idea of what it means to be Latinx? Well, I mean, I feel like it encompasses so much. I feel like a lot of people, when they think of like Latino, they think of Mexican, and they think of Mexican culture, and that's it. And obviously, there's so much variety and diversity in the term Latinx. That's why it's so hard to like encompass an experience under that one term because like coming from Mexico we have different issues than maybe someone from you know South America or maybe their parents had higher education and they didn't have to struggle as much to um, apply to college as like a first generation you know uh, Mexican college student. There's just so many different things that can be put under that. That's why when I use the term Latinx, I'm like, I feel I don't want to like box someone in because I don't know yeah. all the experiences that are within that because there's so much, so many identities, so many ethnicities Absolutely. that can be put under that. Yeah. Um, okay, I'm gonna ask you one last question and let you go. But within the current political climate, um, the belonging of being Latinx is continuously questioned. Mm-hmm. How would you say that you assert your belonging? assert my belonging that's so hard to answer like just existing I don't know yes right like yeah talk to me more about that yeah like I feel like sometimes it's so I don't know it's not appreciated that like just being here like at UNC doing what we're doing is helping others like go on to follow your path and like increase the prominence of Latinx individuals and uh, like higher um, education institutions like these. Um, And in this political climate, I think it's, I think our job to bring a bit of um, like awareness and to like educate others, um, like mentoring, encouraging other students to like, like si se puede, you know? Si se puede, So, we just listened to Lillian Guadalupe Bravo talk about her experience as a Latina um, at UNC and also in her place of work. Uh, So many, so many thoughts, Chandler. So much there. Yes. Yeah. Um, Yeah, a lot. Especially when she was talking about just being at this institution and being questioned as to you know why why are you here like are you are you worthy enough I remember a little rock a little rant a little rant um I remember in high school this guy I'm not gonna say his name um I got into Duke and like he like low-key like felt some type of way because like he really wanted to go to Duke and like he didn't get in um so like in the middle of stat class he's like you know what like I don't think like affirmative action like should be a thing like it's just like Chandler, do you really think that you've, like, struggled, like, as a black woman? Like, we need to, like, take it away. I, like, started, like, yelling. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, I started, like, yelling in the middle of, like, stat class. We're just, like, going back and forth. And he's just, like, as, like, a white man, I can't get any scholarships because they're all going to you guys. I'm like, listen, kid. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I feel, I felt that story. Unbelievable. Wow, and you know what's you know what's frustrating about that is like 
this is probably like that type of rhetoric is probably still happening. And like, you know, sometimes it's happening to students like who really do like take those words to heart and truly don't believe that, you know, they hold, they have value. Right. And like really think as if everything that they've earned under this like false idea that like everything that they've earned is based on no more than, you know, you know, yeah. Mm-hmm. skin color or language or like that is so infuriating oh my god I can't <laughs> believe that happened to you yeah I cannot yeah. believe that happened to you yeah. Chandler what what a guy what a guy yeah cause when, that's so invalidating when people of power like have those have those mindsets it's just like another reason why these like systematic issues continue to happen because like they believe that's how it should be and that people like deserve deserve their like place in society you know yeah agreed Mm. but I really do like though how she was talking about how there's so much power though in um just simply like being at a being at an institution right and like taking advantage of the opportunities that you were given and like and by doing so you're almost paving the way hopefully for like future yeah yeah you know black and latinx like you know, women and, like, other students to, like, yeah, feel welcome and, like, feel like they belong. Yeah, yeah, I think, so one woman said, you can never, you can never become what you cannot imagine, you know, like. It's beautiful. Yeah, so, like, if you, like, never see, see people who look like you in these positions, like, how can you imagine that, let alone, like, start working towards something that's, like, unknown to you, like, you know, like. So it's already, isn't it crazy? Already we're at a disadvantage because we have to put in the energy to even, like, fathom that we can do something where other people, like, they know, like, oh, I can do it. Like, next step, do it. Like, us, it's like, That's so true. That's so true. I really like that. Wow, Chandler, thanks for that. That was, (laughs) started carrying that with me everywhere. (laughs) (laughs) Good time. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Ah, so, so many great things. So many more great things to come. If there was a time where you felt the consciousness of being Latina, like how, how was that for you? Growing growing up, um, my parents were very much of like the philosophy just kind of like be yourself so our racial and our ethnic identity wasn't very much emphasized mm-hmm. um and i don't think it was until i lived in mexico for a few years and i was younger that i kind of realized uh like i guess like my racial identity um as you know as black and as mexican um which was something I didn't really I guess like I pushed her to the side then I didn't really think about it again when I was in high school um so I didn't grow up speaking Spanish and I didn't grow up around a lot of uh Hispanic people I didn't grow up a lot around a lot of black people so um I think that, that also probably contributed to me coming to UNC and being a little bit confused just because everybody comes with such like different backgrounds that I didn't a different backgrounds and experiences that I that, that I can't relate to because I didn't have those I am from upstate New York and moving from the city to upstate was really different because when I first moved I realized that there were very few people that looked like me when I moved. I was one of two Latinx people that graduated from high school like 
all the way down the road. Um, no one else shared my name or like my culture. Yeah, I think it started like in middle school. Um, I had just moved from Chicago, a Puerto Rican and black neighborhood to um, a neighborhood that uh, well, not a neighborhood. Uh, I, w- I live in a black neighborhood in Orlando, but I went to sort of like a predominantly white school um, and was in those classes. And uh, in middle school, like I, you know, I was Mexican, like, you know, I was the girl with the mustache and the curly hair who like wasn't black or white in the South. So like, I think that that was my first like time that I was uncomfortable with being Latina because like I'd always been proud of it you know I it's it was always just part of like my community and who I was and so for the first time it was so like jarring um but I think you know I've had a lot of um really hard but also really beautiful experiences and and being proud of who I am and coming to terms with it so um you know I only remember those experiences with like sadness for the communities that you know were so ignorant of of that my name is norma de jesus perfect um what do you identify as um i would say i am a tejana wow no, tell me more about that term. What does that mean to you? Well, growing up in the Mexico and United States borderland, I just feel like my identity is influenced by Spanglish, like late night barbecue parties, um, going to Catholic mass during Christmas uh, day, and just like, I don't know, like the Rio Grande Valley, which is where I'm originally from, is a very beautiful area. It's very like... It's full of its own culture, you know. We're in Texas, but we're not necessarily like northern or eastern or even western Texas because South Texas is just rich of its own culture, which mixes a lot of like, you know, like United States and Texan type of traditions with a lot of like Mexican traditions. And it's just, it's a very beautiful place. Absolutely. What would you say to people who like to think about Latinidad within a very strict monolith? It definitely has to do with the media portraying Latinos a certain way. But, like, as I began to understand, like, I took a lot of courses on Latino history here at Duke. And, like, I did my own research and I, like, tried to figure out, like, how, like, Mesoamerica and how the Caribbean and how, like, South America just, like, eventually got derived into this, like, uh, label. And I think Latina just means, like, basically mixing all of these different um, cultural influences and creating a specific identity, I guess. So at the end of the day, Latinidad is whatever it means to you. Like, I don't know how to dance salsa. <laughs> like, spicy food is great, but at the same time, like, I have my limits. And you know, like, I speak Spanish. I like, I like to eat tacos. Sometimes I fit within these, like, Latino stereotype, Latinx stereotypes, and sometimes I don't. But at the end of the day, like, I am aware that, like, I grew up in a very Latinx influenced community and therefore that just helps me like create my own idea of Latinidad. When it comes to the current state of the United States, like American kind of like, the idea of American is this white, blue white person. And so it can be difficult as a like brown skin individual to feel like I belong. But at the end of the day, like if you, look, if you go back to United States history, um, you will see how like a lot of different 
identities from different countries like made their own space in the United States and I think that's the same for um, immigrants and for people who don't necessarily fit the white skin blue eyed mold. Yeah absolutely. Um, within the current political climate there's a lot of doubt about whether or not people who are Latinx, Hispanic, Tejano, Chicano even belong in the U.S., right? The idea of belonging is always questioned. Mm -hmm. How is it then that you assert your belonging? I mean, belonging just just means making a place your home. It's ultimately where you create memories and where you're able to, like, to take up space and to be unapologetic um, with regards to whether or not people feel like you truly belong because at the end of the day we are definitely not all the same we all have different cultural influences and different like um, roots and everything So we just listened to Norma de Jesus, who talked about her identity as a Tejana, Mm -hmm. which is the first time we've heard anyone in this series identify as as Tejana. And when she speaks on this identity for her, um, the importance of geography plays such a role, um, which I think is so beautiful when you think about like the Mexican-American border and how, you know, Texas, I mean, Texas was a part you know, of Mexico. And so like thinking very much about, yeah. All right. Mm -hmm. Uh, (laughs) um, History. History. (laughs) Um, Yes. And so when thinking about that, um, it's really quite incredible how to beat the Hana is like you, this land you've been like tied to um, and it's, it's been your land. So it's, it's like, it's always Mm -hmm. tricky when some people really feel to understand how um, people very commonly now, right, like because of like the rhetoric, very commonly associate any type of Latinidad with like immigrant. Mm-hmm. Um, and so for them to think that, you know, maybe they're the ones who did the, who did the... Um, the crossing, yeah. I was just about crossing. to say like, we, what is it? We didn't cross the border, the border crossed us. Exactly. Yep. Yeah. Yep, yep, yeah. yep. That's so real. Ah, oh, that's so real. Um, and yeah, for me, when she was talking about belonging, and I think she says, like, belonging is, like, essentially, like, making a place your home, like, a place where, like, you can, like, make memories, you know, it's, it's beautiful in, in that you can belong anywhere, you know, you can find, you can find power and home and just, like, you know, like, your space, like, your seeds and your roots in, in different places, um, if you're able to connect it with that feeling of being home, with that feeling of, of remembrance. And, you know, it, it's beautiful. People usually think and construct Latinidad within a very rigid monolith. Um, what would you say to those who do? I would say um, if you have the time, read. If you have the means, travel. You will be blown away by the differences in not just the way people look, but the way people act and express themselves. And 
and the different foods and namings of things and geographic spaces within, I mean, South America alone, if you want to consider Central America, the Caribbean, whatever you want to encompass within Latinidad. Um, you know, I, as, as sort of like a student leader on campus, it, it's, it used to be that, you know, I would just sort of like ignore those kind of ignorant comments. But as a leader, like sometimes my role does have to be to educate um, those, even though like that's not really what I want to do. But, I, you know, I've realized that sometimes um, that can be a way for people to become allies to the community and, and just to like learn more and, and spread that knowledge. I think it's a very ignorant stance to assume in the same way like that that's that's like saying that everyone from the united states is the same right I mean, that that's an absurd notion and like you can recognize that within your own culture people are very different and so why can't that be the same for other people and i think that monolith also comes from the way the media perceives um people who identify as latino i think we have a visual stereotype and also a very strong connection between latinos and undocumented people or as the media says like illegal aliens right and um i think that's like just like a very dangerous narrative to be a part of i think that being latino some people might think of that as like you need to fit a certain stereotype um, or you need to like certain things or you need to speak Spanish um, and all these other little like check boxes that people have automatically just assumed into like this is what a Latino is, this is what a Latino is not. Um, so I just think that finding that within yourself, knowing that you don't have to be what everyone else wants you to be or do or know and say and speak whatever everyone else wants you to do, but just making sure that you're yourself and you know what you stand for and you know what values and what matters to you. My name is Daniela Lopez. Cool. Uh, what do you identify as? Um, I identify... Oh gosh, that's so hard. I don't know. <laughs> what do I identify as? I'm, I'm a Latina. Um, I'm Colombian. Um, I'm a woman. Yeah. Um, so I moved to the U.S. to North Carolina when I was five years old with my mom. Um, both of my parents are Colombian. Like, I was born in Colombia. They like grew up in Colombia. Everything, um, and my whole family's still there. I have like an aunt in North Carolina on my mom's side, um, and then an aunt and uncle in California on my dad's side. But everyone is in Colombia. Um, so, yeah. I mean, for me, Latina means I I was born in Latin America. You know, I my parents. Like, my whole family is from Colombia, um, and it's, like, a huge part of who I am. Like, I grew up listening to salsa music and eating Colombian food, like empanadas and arepas. Um, and it's just, yeah, it's just so much a part of who I am. And, um, yeah. Um, what does it mean to be a Latina at UNC? Hmm. I think being a Latina at UNC, so coming in, coming in, um, I really wanted to get in touch with people that kind of shared like the same culture and shared a love of dancing. So I was part of um, like the UNC like Latin dance team for two years um, called Que Rico, and it was really <laughs> awesome. Like I was I was able to um, really meet strong Latino women and like guys. Um, well, not everyone on the team is Latino, but it's cool to just be able to um, bond with people through dance that like. I learned from my family, you know, like I learned to salsa dance and like bachata and merengue through my family, like my mom. Um, and it was, it's funny because like for a big part of my life, like I didn't, 
I kind of like was really shy to it like I didn't feel comfortable like I felt like I don't know like I was too like stiff like I grew up here so it just wasn't it didn't come as naturally to me um but then I went to Columbia for the first time um like when I was 10 years old was like oh it's really hot here went back when I was 15 and like did my quinceanera there and it was like crazy did it with like 30 girls I didn't know like had this like huge party with like all of our families and um ended up like going on a week-long trip to like San Andres which is an island that like um is Colombian and yeah they like taught me how to dance and from there I was like wow like I love being Colombian like this is it's like so rich and um I love to dance and so after that like I came to college um and then wanted to like just pursue like dancing and like self-expression through something that like my family identified with you know and something that they bonded through the things that make us like Latino Latina Latinx um like they bring spice to life you know like there's no need to to feel like you have to water down like your culture for someone else um and and that's just like that's the way god made us like that's the way that like that like you know like i was born in colombia there is nothing that i could do about that at all you know and it's like you can either take it as like oh man like why was i not born in the u.s and like why am i not normal or like whatever you know what i mean like um because for a long time i did have that mentality of like why am I even here? Like, we should just go back to Colombia where, like, it's easier. And, um, because, like, you know, I didn't have a say in, like, us moving here either, you know? So it's, like, I don't know. I feel like um, having, just, like, coming from another place, like, having family that has, like, completely different experience, um, you can you can bring a lot of perspective into a situation. And, like, you can bring a lot of, like, just, like, like ways of, of being and, like, ways of thinking and um like you can see things differently you know and that's like a huge blessing in itself like it doesn't have to be something that makes you feel like insecure because it's like it's a form of power like it's something that sets you apart in like the best way not in a way that's like I don't know isolating you know it doesn't it doesn't have to be that way um and it took me a while to like really understand that um and to really find people that appreciated that too because you know like through middle school I really felt like I don't know I just I wanted to fit in and like that meant like having to like suppress like who I was like as a Colombian um and yeah like realizing that like there are people that are gonna like love you and like your culture and like be so fascinated by it you know and like will help you like learn to like love it and embrace it Hey, so that was Daniela. Um, and so for me, like one thing that just like brought me so much joy was when she was talking about dancing, you know, because she has so many just like positive memories with this, um, you know, with this like art form for her. It's, it's like joy and it's and it's family and it's friends and it's the way that she's been able to connect with people just like all through this like one thing that like others outside of the culture may not think is is as has as much like value or as as much importance and I think that's when like things like cultural appropriation like come in come into play because like 
people think that these little these little bits that you take from someone's culture you know it's like not that big of a deal like I can wear my hair like this I can listen to like this music but the reason why people get you know like up in arms about certain things is because like there's just like so much more to it and like so much so much more about your your history and your roots that are connected to these like pieces of our culture um yeah I agree that's why just like you were saying Chan like there is so much beauty found in the fact that she has this art form to express her culture um but speaking on the idea of culture and how that very much we I mean right when we're we're, we're at a stage where we can think about it in a very positive way, but sometimes it takes a while to get there. So she was talking about how coming from Colombia very much, she was like, why are we here? Why am I here? It's like hard to feel different. It's very hard to feel different. Um, but I really appreciated her saying how there's power in that differentiation, right? Like it can be very difficult, but know that within that difficulty, within that struggle, um, there is a lot of power you can find within yourself and within, mm-hmm. within those around you. Um, so... Yeah, really inspiring. We have one more, one more full story. So, hope you enjoy. So there's, there's so much beauty in Latinidad. I'm just wondering, what are some of those beauties for you? You know, I'm reminded every morning, you know, my my very curly hair, you know. I, I think that's just one of the factors that just like, I wake up every morning and I'm so proud and I'm reminded of like, you know, where I come from and like who I represent. And I guess just like my hair, I guess if I would say like something physical, um, just because I feel like it's um, very much representative of like how like both of them kind of come together just because like with every like kink and every curl um it really like a very visible aspect of like my my biraciality is that a word (laughs) 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 where are some of those beauties for me um i think it's being growing up i think i was always kind of embarrassed at the fact and I think a lot of people also share this where when you have something very small like um like a soccer game for example or like your fifth grade graduation your entire family will show up to it and they'll just all be cheering and they'll be the loudest people out there and you just want to be like everyone else just like with your head down silent receive you know whatever x award thing and just move on with your life but I think growing up and looking back on it it's one of the things that set you apart I think um I think I find beauty in the fact that we are so loving and open-hearted and even when other people around us aren't acting the same way because they haven't grown up within our culture, we are not afraid to, to, to show people what it's, you know, what it's like to, to show our true colors. I think that I, what, I, what I've always like most liked about it is um, like the both, both of my uh, cultural backgrounds they they both emphasize like the value of family family um like it's it's such a integral part to like our communities um and it's something that i i can really strongly relate to because i i adore my family like <laughs> um i love i i 
I, I just love being around them. So like, I'm just surrounded by people who are so proud of, of their heritage and the mestizaje that they've been able to form and create here at Duke. Okay, Eric, this is super casual. So first question is, what do you identify as? So I think um, over the last few years, I've formed this identity around being Honduran American. So um, I'm very close to like my nationality. I think it's very important to point that out. But at the same time, I also grew up in the U.S. for a substantial amount of time to have the American culture be part of mine. Talk to me more about your family. Yeah. So um, my so both of my parents are from Honduras. I moved to the U.S. from Honduras when I was seven to Eastern North Carolina. Um, so my dad was an agricultural worker in Eastern North Carolina. That's why we moved here. My mom. Uh, babysat here in the U.S. But beforehand, my dad was like a general manager at the international airport in Tegucigalpa. And my mother worked for like the telecommunications uh, corporation that handled like all national business in terms of communications um, in Honduras. But we moved to the U.S. when I was seven. So that was like a big change in my life. So I saw like two changes to two different types of lives that I lived. And like that's why I think it's very important to like how I've conceptualized my race that I moved to the U.S. and when I moved to the U.S. I became an other, right? I was othered when I moved to Eastern North Carolina while in Honduras I was just like a regular person, kind of like, you know, I was the average average skin tone that you see in Honduras. Uh, you know, we have variations, but this is like, I was like a part, normal part of it. But when you come here, you just like become a completely different person. I'm not like the white person, don't have blue eyes, blonde hair type thing so um yeah but I'm very close to my parents I also have an older sister we're 17 years apart yeah but um yeah I'm very close to her as well and and it's like that all ties back to Honduras yeah that's mm -hmm. amazing so what does it what does it mean to you to be Latino at Duke mm -hmm. so I think for me uh first of all like I very much acknowledge that to Duke I'm kind of like an asset in a way you know like I'm something that they like bragging about you know I'm like one of their I, you can be a, you you can very much turn into a poster child for them if that's what they want um but i think for me it's a i like to look at the history of it actually my father visited duke uh, like last semester i think it was like in november and like i showed him a tour like of west campus because last year they only saw east campus they only came to like drop me off and things like that and when they saw like the west campus it was like he got a little emotional because he said you know like this is the type of life that i didn't get to live but you get to live it now and it's like a very like proud moment so to be latino i think at duke you can kind of see the history of like how hard our predecessors have you know how much they sacrificed for us to be here and like even though like sometimes the white institution doesn't like us that doesn't like envisioning us here like we definitely have work to create our space definitely yeah um so what would you say to those that like like placing you know latina latino as like a very very rigid monolith right like even the the language of you're not Latino enough is like right. something that yeah, permeates culture sometimes. Right. So I think I think there's been like a reclamation amongst Latinos to be like, because like to a certain extent we have you know we have all types of Latinos Latinos that are born in the U S. Uh, don't know Spanish type thing, which is like completely fine. That still uh, justifies you as Latino. And then we have people like me who like grew up for some time in Latin America that moved to the U S. But it's a I think like the people that make the effort to claim themselves as Latino, because I don't think sometimes Latino isn't always seen as a positive term. Um, you know, there's uh, there's beauty in that. There's beauty in the individuals uh, under like taking that term and like trying to find endearment with it and trying to form a community with it. And of course, you know, people have to acknowledge that there's 
so many different variations of Latino. You know, like we have Afro Latinos, we have Latinos like from different Latin American countries. Like even the way we all speak Spanish is all very different. Like if you listen to me talk Spanish, I can distinguish who you know who's like who was raised in Mexico or who was raised in like another country, and that that forms you as a different person. Because and I think that's to acknowledge those differences is also very important because you're not um, dismissing people's identities. And I think that's like something that I experienced when I got to the U.S. when like uh, when I was like put under this monolith of being Latino, but also being put under the monolith that all Latinos are Mexicans type mm-hmm. thing, you know. Yeah. But like Central Americans are very underrepresented, like in all Latino spaces. And um, even though we are very similar, Mexicans and Honduras are very similar. We sh- you know we sh- we are close to each other, uh, certain regions of our countries, but and we share cultures, but we still have certain differences that we want to be acknowledged because that's how we formed our identities. And I think it's very important to acknowledge that. Yeah, definitely. Um, Yes. What would you say to someone who sometimes is having trouble finding power in Mm -hmm. being Latino? Yeah. So I think you, the first step for me was always like, you have to find the right type of people that will support you. And there are always those type of people out there, you know, that like, really applaud your identity for uh, for what it truly for you what you truly want it to be um i think so it's finding that space with people but it's also just really having the guts within yourself to like kind of claim it and stick to it uh and i think for me that a lot of that happened when i was like when i went to a boarding school you know like when i moved away from home and then i was like uh forced to like form your own community uh when like i really started speaking up and finding like my own voice and and finding a way to say you know, I'm proud of being Latino. And, and for some time, I was proud of being undocumented, you know, mm-hmm. and, like, sharing this experience that not a lot of people share in these types of pedestals of power. So that was Eric. So many incredible things. First off, who is this kid? Who is he? <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Um one of the <laughs> one of the first things if he's like what does it mean to be um Latino at Duke? It means like I'm an asset, which is so real, you know? Like you really are like they need us. I would just like everyone to know, like do like all these schools they really need us because like one we're great and two like we are we are so great like there aren't many of us at all which is as i think back again to that kid who said oh get rid of affirmative action whatever 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 you know like it's so hard for us to get to this to this space because like they don't make space for us so like when we get there you know like yeah yeah we're an asset because i don't know yeah so that's real that's real i resonate with that one (laughs) (laughs) agreed at times it gets really it gets really frustrating when i think about how we're an asset sure not only for the institution but also sometimes like sometimes an asset for the learning of others who otherwise would not really mm, think about yeah. us or yeah. our culture where we come from if it weren't for the fact that we weren't we wouldn't be physically present in this campus yes. with them that's so real and uh, yeah real quick and also i think that's why, like 
you know, this whole, like, I shouldn't have to educate you, you know, like, that, that rhetoric, it's, it's so tough, because, like, these kids, like, a lot, a lot of people, it's not like they're, like, even trying to take classes that, that focus on this, or, like, you know, using the privilege of this education, um, and the resources to learn it without my energy, so, you know, like, they could have learned it without me, but then they're gonna be like, hey, Chan, tell me this, that, and the other, and, like, Maybe I will. Maybe I will because, like, I want I want you to know. But also maybe I won't because you should you should know. There's no excuse at this point. It becomes frustrating at a certain point when you're just expected to continuously, like, play that part all the time. Um, because, right, like, when you think about learning at these institutions, mm-hmm. like, they don't tell you about mm-hmm. the learning that you have to help sometimes others do. But... Definitely. And when Eric yeah. talks about the idea of the spectrum of Latinidad in a way that, you know, yeah. you can very well be born here in the U.S. and not speak, you know, speak Spanish, which is completely and 100% fine. Um, but also, like, uh, drawing the contrast um, between, you know, someone who might have a very different lived experience in that. But how that, it, that enti- you know, that spectrum of lived experience is quite a wide one, but it still is all very, very legitimate. And falls under the Latinx identity. You're going to hear just a few more words um, from from the people in this podcast about belonging in this political climate. So we really wanted to end with their words, not ours, because without them, like none of this would be possible. Um, so stay tuned for that. And of course, we want to thank everybody for making this possible. This is the last podcast. Ah, yeah, truly. Thank you. Thank you. Yes, everyone who gave us your time for us to interview, everyone who's listened to these, we just thank you from the bottom of our hearts. Truly, truly. And please send these to others. Let others hear these incredible stories. Thank you so much. Um, so within the current political climate where the idea of belonging is continuously doubted for Latinx folks, um, how do you assert your belonging? I think um, surround yourself with people who value you, who you know recognize and love who you identify as, and and um, and and who you are. So I think that's that's a big thing to surround yourself with that. And that's I think something I've done. I've surrounded myself with like powerful black and brown women here at Duke, and it's been the best experience. And the second thing I think is self love. Um, to come to like to come to terms, recognize who you are, and just love it. You know, love the imperfections, love uh, the perfections, love all of it. Um, I think those two are very powerful and, and can get you really, really far, just like emotionally and spiritually. I think that just with anything, you need to be comfortable and know that this is your space and you've earned it, and you're here for a reason. And just can you like you know, self validation, knowing that you are enough. You you are good and you're where you're meant to be and yeah given this whole like political uh, atmosphere the the whole atmosphere we're in right now I think that people just need to stick together and um, it's all about empowering and uplifting each other as opposed to trying to put someone down God, how do I assert my belonging that is such an interesting question I think I think it's being able to watch the news or listen to people's commentary and taking it in and like listening to the other perspective, but at the same time 
I mean, frankly, just like not giving a shit at all, right? <laughs> Because I think there comes a point where like you're gonna be inundated so many hateful messages, like you just you just have to to accept them, but also to to have the power to to know that you're more than that, to know that they don't share your upbringing or your understandings or they've never been in a situation where they have to raise themselves up by leaving others behind and i think we have to consider everyone as a human as an individual so i read this piece by uh, juno diaz that he wrote right after the election results came out and he talked about how you know being part of be if you are latino uh, you are part of one of the communities most likely that's marginalized or you know that's being attacked by trump you know like, by the racist xenophobic regime that he stands for right mm -hmm. uh but i think like within that we are we are allowed to mourn like you're supposed to mourn you know like because this is a loss in a way for humanity and it's a loss to to like what we as people should stand up against right and that's what we're seeing But at the same time, we know that like it is part of our destinies to fight against these type of people. It has always been part of our history to work against the people that continuously try to negate our existence.